Amen. God is great. Amen. 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 It's good to see you all here tonight. We have come into the house so we can have church. We're going to have church, get in the presence of God, and you've come on a special night. We do have a special speaker here. Brother Roland Penley is with us tonight. And he's got about 10 minutes worth of accolades that we can share, but I won't share them all right now. We'll do that here in a little bit. But he's an old friend, retired minister from the state, a pastor, and uh, he's done state work and all kinds of different things, and we're blessed to have him tonight to share the word with us. It's going to be a good time. Actually, I just found out that uh, Brother Penley was a pastor for several years at the church where the pastor is at now doing revival in Maryland. Small world, right? Small church of God world, I guess. Anyhow, it's so good to see you. Good to have you here tonight. Let's get out and welcome each other into the house of God. How many believe that Jesus is the name above all names? Anybody believe that tonight? You know, we gather together here, a bunch of people on a journey, 
come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you today that, that I've never regretted a moment of following him. But there have been many times where I needed to surrender to him. There have been many times where I needed to submit my will to his will. And I've found that when I do that, sometimes painfully to my flesh, I find out that God takes care of the rest. When I give it to the Lord, I say this all the time, there's nothing more important in our relationship with Jesus. Obviously, what he's done for us, he's did the heavy lifting, but there's nothing more important in our relationship with Jesus than obedience. And I'm going to tell you what comes right underneath obedience is praise. And I've been thinking a lot about this tonight. I've been thinking a lot about this this week. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat was, and the people of, of Jerusalem, Judah, they were facing enemies on all sides. And the odds were overwhelming against them. But it says this in verse 21 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It said, but when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. And listen to this. It says, as they went out before the army in front of the fight, into the fight, as they went out and said, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They went out singing and praising God with this. The Bible says this, that when they began singing and praising the Lord, somebody say the Lord. The Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Now let me tell you what, we, what that is. The Lord sent ambushes against their enemies. I want to tell you something today that when we submit to God, when we come into agreement with God, and sometimes that's just coming into agreement by saying, thank you, Lord, I give thanks to you for your love endures forever. When we come into submission like that, God does the rest. When we submit to him and let God have his way in our life, let me tell you, the Bible says that all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to the name of Jesus, the name above all names the King of kings and our Lord of lords, and I sing praise to him. Can we do that tonight for just a minute? Can we clap our hands, open our mouth, and give praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Father, you have been good to us, God. And we give thanks in your presence tonight, God. And we honor you for your love has endured, God. Your wisdom has endured, God. It's everlasting to everlasting. And God, we praise you tonight, God. And we lift our hands to you, God. And we lift our hearts to you. And God, we open our mouths, God, to you and sing praise, God. We give thanks to you tonight for you have been good tonight to us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody believe in God for miracles tonight? Anybody believe in the Lord? How about this, much more important than that, how many are trusting God that he's gonna do it, amen? We believe God for it, can we praise him for it? There's some surgeries going on tomorrow and this week that we're praying over. I want us just to give, right now, give our prayer request to the Lord, whatever it is tonight, we're just giving it to you, Father. In prayer, God, we offer it to you, we worship you, God, let your church arise, God. Let your church arise, God, in your presence, in your power. God, the psalmist wrote, God, let, let God arise and 
his enemies be scattered and father i pray that you'd arise in your church god and i pray that our enemies god the the devil the the devourer god seeking to devour god he may flee he may flee as we resist and submit wholly to you god resisting the devil and the bible says that he will flee from us we petition heaven god and come to you tonight in jesus name that you touch us Keep your hand upon us in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You can be seated tonight. You can be seated tonight. I just feel tonight like I haven't felt maybe in a long time, and feelings don't matter, but I'm thankful for feelings when they come alongside. I'm thankful for that, but I just feel like tonight God is able. I feel like tonight God is shifting things around on our behalf and ministering to glorify his son in our life and ultimately to push us towards the prosperity that brings glory and honor to his name. We're going to give an opportunity tonight to give and worship the Lord in our giving tonight in tonight's service. What a beautiful day. And I know today there's a beautiful day to get out and about, but I just believe with all of my heart that God has things planned for us that are in the house of the Lord tonight. God, we praise you and thank you. We offer ourselves and all that we have to you, God, in, in submission, in obedience, God, not begrudgingly, but Father, willingly, <laughs> pouring out our hearts to you, for you've been good to us. And God, we praise you and thank you, God, for every blessing. And we give tonight. We give tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. God is good. God is so good. If you would stand with me one more time. I, I you know, I'm a, just sitting here thinking about the service this morning and different things. And I remember that I forgot to mention a few things. One is, you don't see Gary up here tonight. He's preparing for a procedure that he's going to have in the morning. And we want to pray that God will take care of him and just bring him through that uh, procedure. He's just going to be down for a couple of days, but we want God to take care of him. Also, this past week, uh, we had the funeral for, for uh, Jim Long's father, Missy's grandfather. We had that, and we want to just continue to remember them. God will take care of them. And also, right now, Pastor Ray is preaching his last time out there in Baltimore, and uh, he's been dealing with some sickness and things today. And uh, he has had just an incredible service. He said they've been praying for people for two hours in the altar every night. And he said it's like the most incredible service. And it's back to back to back to back. And he said, one more round, one more round. So we want to pray for him, that God would be with him and uh, just take care of him. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, once again, that you would take care of Pastor Ray. God, that you would be with him right now. You would breathe strength into his body. You would anoint him and use him, God, for your glory and honor. And you would bring your will uh, right to pass, Lord, there at the church in Baltimore. Touch those people. Be with him tonight. Help them to have a wonderful experience. And God, we pray that you would touch Gary, minister to him, and help him through tomorrow, through the procedure, and just be with him as he recovers. And God, we just pray that you take care of him and help him to be better. Lord, we pray for for Jim and Missy and for their family as they've lost the father. We just pray that you would be with them, continually help them and look after them over the next few days and months and years. And just pray that you would comfort them in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Our guest speaker tonight is Brother Roland Penley. We got to talking about things and um, I knew he had been a lot of places, but he has preached and been involved with the Church of God all over the world several different places in state work and uh, he's been here a pastor here in our particular state a few times actually he was a member of our, of our church because he was the youth uh, director here in our state and at that time he came to our church and was a part of our church with him and his family and uh, he's just been a part of the part of the woodwork so to speak around the church of god in ohio and he holds a, a special place to me because when i first started uh, my, the first step in getting a license you know, to be a licensed minister. Uh, he was the gentleman that was over our program. It was a several month long program where he went and he helped and poured into us and took care of us. And uh, I appreciate that. We always have that connection. And uh, it's kind of special that he's here today. You know, of course he wouldn't run and leave, but he has become a great grandfather just a couple of hours ago. So he is excited. <laughs> Sure, maybe, maybe if you talk to him after the service, maybe he's got a picture on his phone already and he's ready to show you. I don't know. But let's, let's appreciate the man of God, Brother Roland Penley, as he comes tonight. Well, if you're saved and you know it, say amen. amen. I'm so glad to see you tonight. I am having a, a real difficult time being spiritual. I, I, I really am. Somewhere around 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, I'm really not sure. We, we were standing by the phone waiting to hear it. And finally the word came and then the pictures came. And 
This is our first great-grandbaby. Uh, for you that know Dana, Dana was the state secretary here, and it's her son, Devin, and uh, he and his wife had uh, a little baby girl this afternoon, and we're just elated. I'm trying to feel, I don't know what's the hardest for me, being a great-grandfather or saying that my baby daughter is a grandmother. Both of them has given me a little bit of a difficult time there, but I will tell you the results are great. Amen. And I do appreciate the opportunity to come and share it with you tonight. I have been a part of this church for a long time. And a lot of folks don't know me because it's been so long ago, but we were members of here when uh, I was the state youth director from 78 to 82. Before that, I was with Jack Watkins, youth director out in the state of Washington. And Cameron's father and I, I didn't know that, were state youth directors together. And I've been knowing James for many, many years. And I got to see him. One Sunday here a few months ago, I can't remember just how far back, but I didn't know why he was here. Now I do, but uh, he and I have been friends. We came out of South Carolina. I was ministering there when I went out as a state youth director, and uh, he was a part of that state also. And through the years, we don't get to see each other very often, but it's always good when we do. Again, I appreciate what you're doing, and I do appreciate Richard and his family. He and his wife are just very special to me. I'm always proud to see someone who continues and grows in Christ. And when God calls them into the ministry, that they grow in the ministry. And that's what he's done. And I can just tell you, my heart is overwhelmed with appreciation and pride at watching how he and his wife are doing. And I, we love them and are very proud of them. And, of course, your pastor was just a young Young fellow, when I was a state youth director here, he was one of the young, he wasn't a teenager, maybe still a teenager, but a young adult, and uh, his sisters and all were youth camp kids, and we just, uh, Ohio's been a special place, and now we've spent more time in Ohio than anywhere else. We've lived longer where we're living than anywhere else. When you're a state youth director, you can't stay but four years in the state, so you have to move around, and of course, if you pastor different churches in the state, you're moving, but... We sort of got settled in over in Lebanon, Ohio. So it looks like we're going to spend some time in Ohio. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans, the first chapter. We are praying for the pastor, that, and I did have the privilege of pastoring that church. It's a great church, and he's doing a great job not only here, but also there. Brother Chris Music and his wife are doing an outstanding job there. Romans 1 and 17. And I'm about to take my glasses off. I wanted to see everybody first because when they come off, you become blurred. But I can see my notes, so I'm going to do it that way. Romans 1 and 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In these next few minutes, I want to share with you on the subject, there is a purpose in the pit. How many knows that you don't feel like shouting all the time? How many knows that you can leave an atmosphere like we had here tonight where the Lord people were singing praises to God, our hearts were uplifted, we felt the move of the Holy Spirit, and it would feel good if we felt that all the time. If every day we wake up and spend the whole day in just an exuberance of joy and satisfaction in the Lord, go to bed at night, just go to bed just thanking God for the day everything has gone well, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Wouldn't that be nice if it was every day? Well, I can tell you it is not. 
Now, when it comes to faith, it's very easy for us to believe what we see. It's easy to be certain of what we see. However, it is not easy to be certain of what we do not see. And yet that is exactly what God expects us to do, to trust him completely, to maintain that trust, that faith, regardless of the circumstance or the time span. And I will just tell you, it is not an easy thing to do. It's not something that just comes naturally to us. We have to work at it, and we have to live in such a way that our daily communication with him is such that he is able to strengthen us and enable us to do just what he commands. The Bible makes it very clear to us that we shall live by faith. The New Testament in Romans 1 and 17 and Hebrews 10 and 38 says, the just shall live by faith. In fact, in the scripture, the Bible makes it very clear to us in Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is or have faith that he is or faith that he exists. Now the life of Joseph was a perfect example of how God expects us to walk by faith. It also teaches us of the reality of God's promise. He promised Moses in Deuteronomy 31 and 6 that he will never leave us or forsake us. He would say it again to Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He reiterates it in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 5, to you and me when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's because of this immutable promise that God expects us to be strong and courageous. He expects us to believe what he says. Now, when God says it, he expects us to take hold of it tenaciously and unwaveringly and say, it's yea and amen for me because I believe God. He expects us to be strong and courageous. He expects us to persevere in trials, to resist temptation, and to trust in the Lord and fully obey him. Not selectively. I've met a lot of people through the years that were very selective in their obedience. They wanted to obey God when it was things that made them feel good. They loved to obey God when the Lord talked about gathering themselves together in the house of the Lord. They liked the idea of coming and shouting and praising and worshiping God like we all do. But oftentimes, God's directive and God's guidance and God's word to us takes us outside these four walls and sometimes to places we don't want to go. Sometimes his will for our lives are, involves us in things that we really don't want to do from a natural perspective. But I'm here to tell you tonight and hopefully in these next few minutes to show you and help you to understand, first of all, that God will never leave us or forsake us. And that if we are going to be truly his, we have to walk trusting and believing him regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the sur surroundings, and whatever may come against us. If we believe him and trust him, we're going to find him to be an ever-present help and a God that does not fail. Now, Joseph's account, it includes the plan of rewarding Joseph for his faithfulness, but also... Primarily, it was to save Israel from annihilation by starvation. This account is an incredible journey, and it's one that is filled with faith. It's also filled with betrayal. It's filled with questions and tears and disappointments. It's also one that proves that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. 
That if we will listen and follow what Joseph had to go through and understand that God gave that story to us for a purpose and he used Joseph for a purpose even though Joseph did not understand, couldn't understand until it was all revealed to him at the end. The journey begins in Genesis the 37th chapter. It would prove to be a series of tests and trials. A process that God still uses for you and me today in our relationship with him. James records in chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4, Count it all joy when you fall into divers or various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now look at what God is wanting you to be and wanting to happen in your life. He doesn't want you to go each day with just barely making it. He doesn't want you to go each day with struggling in such a way that if I could just get to the end of the day. But he wants you to understand that as you walk by faith and he anoints and directs your life, there is a purpose behind that. He wants you to grow in him. And James says, count it all joy when you go through these things. Because the testing of your faith, it helps you to be complete like a nothing. The New International Version states it this way, that you may be mature and complete. Now the Bible tells us in Luke the 15th chapter that when a child comes to the Lord and is born again, that the angels of heaven rejoice over that person that comes to the Lord. There's great rejoicing of that newborn person in Christ Jesus. But that celebrating is no matter how much they are celebrating and enjoying themselves and glad that it's happened. That celebrating is not the end of it all. For God does not want us to remain in that infantile state. In fact, it's just the opposite. He makes it very clear. That is just the beginning as we start our walk with him. And that walk in faith is to help us to, the Bible says, to be mature or complete. And as we grow, God looks at us. And each step that we take as we grow... God directs us according to his will and his plan that was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Yes. David makes it very clear, while I was still in my mother's womb, God had a plan for me. This wasn't just David. He was talking about every man, woman, boy, and girl that is ever born. God has a specific plan for you, and he has one for me. And he's made it clear, if we will obey him, we will eat the good of the land. If we will follow him, he will direct us. If we will trust him, he will make us complete. And he will never leave us. He will never leave us to a place where we're standing there and there is no help. We may not feel that help or see that help or feel like and anything around us is helping us at all. But if we believe God and our faith is secure in him, we know that he hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. He's still there. We may not see him, but that's what faith is all about the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And as we follow him in that perspective, doesn't matter where we go and what we do, we have an ever-present help. Yeah. Now, Joseph's first step in trial began as a rejection of his divine vision. A person could preach a long time just in this area right here. Jacob had a special love and affection for Joseph because of Rachel. Most of you who studied the Bible, you know this story how that Jacob had worked so long and forget Rachel and got tricked in and ended up with her sister, but didn't work seven more years to keep her. And from that union came Joseph. 
And Joseph was very special to his father. And evidently so to such an extent that the brothers became very jealous of him. It passed the jealous stage. It was in the hating stage. Something happened that totally turned them bitter against this young man. Well, Joseph began to have dreams, unusual dreams. He had a dream that intensified their hatred because he would bring those dreams to them. His first dream was about binding sheaves of grain. He said his sheaves rose up and his brother's sheaves bowed down to his. Mm, that didn't go over well. Then he had another dream. It was even worse. It was about the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down to him again. Now, even Joseph's father had a problem with that one. They could not understand it. And he, his father, rebuked him about his dream, not understanding that God himself was giving it to Joseph so that he would know and understand and see one day God's handiwork and direction. Remember this, everybody is not going to respond favorably to what God may give you. I've had people come to me as a minister, as a pastor, and the minister, oh, Brother Pim, I want to tell you what God spoke to me in my heart. Well, to be frank with you, sometimes there was things that were spoken that I didn't think came from God. And, and, and I, sometimes I would share it that way. Other times I'd be a little more kind and, and, and take a little let them learn themselves. But there are times that when it is from God, I mean, it's an actual revelation from God. He's speaking to your heart and he's telling you and showing you what he wants you to do. And when you share it with someone else, you feel it. I mean, you're all inside of you. You can't hardly wait to tell somebody. You run over there and you tell them, you won't believe what I dreamed last night. Oh, the Holy Ghost. Oh, whoa, glory, hallelujah. And they say, huh? And then when you tell them, they say, huh? They just can't do it. For one thing, sometimes, you know, things that are spiritual have a problem getting through to the non-spiritual mind. But also there are times that God is speaking to you individually. It's not for them. It's not for them to understand. It's for you and you alone. Sometimes some of these visions, oh, you may share it with someone close to you that you've got confidence in spiritually that will at least listen and give you a chance. But sometimes you just have to keep them inside. Now, remember, this is something that was the very beginning of Joseph. It was the beginning of the step, a journey that was going to prove a very difficult one. His second step in trial came when he was cast into a pit. His brothers had gone out with the cattle and with the sheep and whatever they were guarding. And the father said, listen, I want you to go out and see how your brothers are doing. Well, Joseph takes off. A young boy, I'm sure, was excited getting out of the house and getting out there where the big boys were. The only problem was when he got where the big boys were, they didn't want him. In fact, the Bible says they were sitting down eating and happened to look out there and here he comes. And immediately, they start talking about killing him. Now, they had a real problem. They had a real relationship that was unusual. They literally hated this boy. And when they got to him, they took him and they threw him into a pit. Now, I can tell you, the pit was horrible. It was probably an old uh, well that had been left alone because of no water. But it was deep such that he couldn't get out. And I can just understand this very thing. There was nothing spiritual about that pit to Joseph as he's clawing at the side, begging his brothers. By this time, tears may be running down his cheeks, and he's begging them, brothers, please have mercy, get me out of here. And they're, they're sitting there with no touch whatsoever on their emotion. They couldn't care less. In fact, the reason he's in the pit was because they were about to kill him. 
And one of the brothers, Reuben, just to save him, said, Let, don't do it that, don't do that. So they threw him in the pit. It turned out the pit was the very thing that saved his life. It also provided God a time to make things, put things in order to keep this journey going with Joseph. God didn't tell Joseph about saving his family and his nation while Joseph was in the pit. The third step in trial came when he was sold into slavery. His brothers happened to look and saw some Midianite traders. These were Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites, yeah. Joseph's thoughts must have been tragic. When all at once he's taken from the pit, thinking maybe he's being released and everything's going to be all right. But the next thing he knows, possibly his hands were being tied behind him, or at least he was connected some way. And he realizes that his brother has just sold him as a slave. He walks away watching them. Maybe it's calling back, please, brother. Why? What did I ever do to you to cause you to feel this way toward me? You ever felt like that? Ever felt, you know, well, what did I ever do to make you think that about me, to do that to me? I've had a few of those experiences. Well, as he's watching that, remember, God didn't come over and shake him and say, shh, 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 Joseph, hush. I got plans for you, boy. I've got you. You won't believe what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to get you all the way to Egypt, and I'm going to make you a ruler over Egypt. That would have made things a little bit easier. That would have made the journey a little bit easier to take and understand if God would have come down and told him. But if that was the case, then Joseph would not be walking by faith. Joseph continued that trek. They finally got to a place somewhere close to Egypt, but not there, to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was an official under Pharaoh. And Potiphar bought Joseph as a slave. It wasn't long before he saw Joseph's worth. Joseph continued to be like God wanted him to be. He continued to do the things that God wanted him to do. I can tell you there are circumstances when these things happen to us like Joseph. It is fertile ground for the seeds of doubt to grow. Sometimes people get so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. You've heard that before. Sometimes it, it, it's sincere. But they don't understand and they don't study the word enough to know that sometimes things happen. And they happen to everybody. I don't care how spiritual you are. I'm not going to ask you to hold up your hand, but there's a lot of people in this, this building like me who are a little older, and you've been serving the Lord a long time. And you've gone through some very difficult time, but I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care how long you have served the Lord, I don't care how faithful you've been through the years and how productive you've been in the kingdom of God, there are going to come a time when your faith is tried, and you're going to have to fight to hold fast to that faith. I can give a good example of that. I use it quite often. It's a man named, let me see, I think, John the Baptist. Remember John? Jesus would say later of him, of those born of women, none was greater than John the Baptist. But there came an occasion. John in his testimony and standing up to the king and preaching the word of God was taken and thrown into prison. And in that prison surrounding. Here was that time that Satan was able to start using him, that circumstance there, to cause him to begin to question and begin to wonder. So he sent two of his disciples to Jesus, and here's what they asked him. John, John, John sent us, uh, Master, 
you know John, well, yeah, you know, it's John's cousin, yeah. John sent us, and he wants to know if, you say it, you tell it. Well, what he wants to know, uh, Lord, is it, uh, are you, well, you tell him, you started it. He wants to know, are you the one? Are, are you the one that, that, that we're to look for or we need to look for another? I want to read you something. Now, this is John. John is having them ask this question. This is not their question. It's John's question. But in John, the first chapter, not this John, but another John, the first chapter, John is speaking to those around him. He's down at the River Jordan. He's been baptizing people. And here's what he said. John answered them and said, I baptize you. Well, somebody asked the question, uh, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered and said, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. He went on to say, the Bible goes on to say, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Yes. Under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And John bore witness and saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he re remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And John said, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, that's John's testimony at the River Jordan. Now, he's in prison. Same John, serving the same God. All at once, his faith begins to dwindle. And he's troubled. He hasn't given up, but he just needs some reassurance. And that's why he sent the disciples to Jesus. Now, Jesus just simply began to quote to him from the Old Testament, sent it back to John, and John, who knew the word, immediately identified with what Jesus was saying and knew that Jesus was saying, I'm the one. But when they had got left, here's what Jesus said. He didn't say, well, can you believe that? After all that we've poured into that guy, after all we've revealed to him, I can't believe he's now asking, am I the one? Good grief. Didn't do that. He turns to the people and he says, of those that were born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. I believe he's also speaking to you and me. I, was, I believe he was letting us understand there will be times that you go through difficulties. There's going to be times that your faith is tried, but if you'll tenaciously reach out and hold on to the truth that you know is true, no matter what happens, no matter what you go through, if you'll hold fast to that which I have, don't let any man take your crown. I will come through and I will help you. And the end result is going to be positive for you. Now, here's the next step. He's in Potiphar's house. He's in the place of promotion. And he was appointed overseer. I want you to notice that Joseph's character and conduct remained intact. Joseph was a very good-looking man, by the way. Genesis 39 and 6 in the New International Version says, Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. I don't know why I'm doing that. but <laughs> Well-built and handsome. 
Tradition also records that Joseph was extremely handsome. The Persian poets wrote about him. And believe it or not, the 12th chapter of the Koran, the Muslim's holy book, speaks of his perfect beauty. Well, Potter's wife had good eyesight. And what she saw, she liked. And what mama wanted, she was going to get. And the Bible says that she began to reach out to him. She became overwhelmed with his beauty. It led to lust, longing, and lies. Finally, one day, he kept saying, no, I can't do that. I won't do that. I won't dishonor my master. And I was certainly not going to dishonor God. He goes in the house. She thinks she's got him. He's in the house all by himself. Nobody's there. I don't know if she got in front of the door. <laughs> Joseph, you know you want me. And Joseph is saying, I didn't know that. You do, and now you can have me. Runs over and grabs at it, and Joseph, being very agile evidently, turns and swirls around and takes off, and off comes his coat. Boy, this woman meant business. She grabbed, she held on till he ran out of his coat, went outside running. Remember, Joseph has been sold by his brothers, he has been taken from his family. In his mind, I'm sure that multiple times Satan planted the seed, God doesn't care about you. But he held on to the faith he had in God. Well, this is when the woman got upset. And when he did not respond to her on this time, she gets mad and she tells the servant, he tried to rape me. I got his coat right here, look at it. When her husband gets home, he goes ape and puts him in prison. Again, here is a man of God that has done nothing wrong. Everything he's doing is right. He kept his character, but now he's in prison. Joseph didn't drown himself in self-pity or hatred. You know, the Bible says, Brighton, well, maybe the Bible doesn't say it, but Song says it well, brighten the corner where you are, no matter where you are. Well, here Joseph's in prison, and he continues to let his light shine. Over 46 years of ministry now, I have heard a very common excuse for bitterness, hatred, and revenge, and they come in all sexes and all colors and all sizes. But one of the key things that I hear, if it's not verbatim, it's paraphrased. You just don't know what they did to me. And they justify all of their bitterness. They justify all of their hatred. They justify all of their rebellion. They justify all of their lack of involvement in the house of God because of the them. I found out a long time ago when I'm having a pity party, and I'm going through one of those times, you know, when I'm feeling bad, like the whole world is on my shoulder. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. God reminds me of the disciples. The disciples of God, called of God, anointed of God, went about praying, healing the sick, changing lives. Let me read a little bit about it what their retirement ended up. Andrew was crucified on an olive tree. Bartholomew was crucified with his head down. And so was Brother Peter, according to tradition. 
James, the son of Alphaeus, was stoned to death. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded by Herod. Thomas was thrust through with a spear in India. In fact, all of the disciples, with the exception of John the Revelator, met a tragic death. Every one of them, tortured, killed, all for the cause of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, later on after Jesus sent all that word back to him, it would have been good. Well, Jesus said everything's okay, it's going to be good. No, they took him out and chopped off his head. Paul suffered greatly during his ministry and in the end was beheaded. These were all great men and women of God. Most of our trials pale in comparison with the saints of old. Nobody knows. Nobody is listening to the scripture. And people reach a place that if you don't think about the disciples, think about somebody hanging on a cross who is the son of the living God. And while men are laughing at him and mocking him, they've already beat him to almost an unrecognizable pulp. He's bleeding, blood is caked all over him. His eyes are swollen shut. His lips are out over his, his, his teeth are so bad, they're so swollen, you can't hardly make out. If the mother did not know who he was, she probably wouldn't have recognized her son. And he's hanging there and they're mocking him, laughing at him, when all he did was come to save them. But instead of saying, I've had it, God, I think we've put up with this long enough. The Bible says that he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So when you're going through one of those pity parties that we all, we've all been to, just think about it. Most of us have never even come close to going through what many of the saints of old have gone through. Well, here he is. He's in prison. But there came a day when Pharaoh became angry with his chief butler and his chief baker, and he had them thrown into prison. It so happened that the jailer assigned Joseph to wait on them, take care of them. Well, Joseph goes in one morning, here both of them sitting over there in the corner. Joseph, what's the matter with you? Now, don't try to go find this verbatim in the Bible. It's not there, okay? Just, just let me ad-lib a little bit. He goes over and says, what's, what's, what's wrong? What's troubling you? We both had a dream last night. Gave us the heebie-jeebies, I'm telling you. We don't know what it means. Well, Joseph, isn't God the interpreter of dreams? Tell me what you said, dream. Well, the first one, the chief butler dreams. He tells it to Joseph. Joseph said, well, those Two things that, that, that talks about three days. What you're, the Lord is saying to you is that in three days you're going to be restored to your, your rightful place. The other one got excited about that probably. He said, oh, well, let me tell you my dream. He tells him his dream and Joseph said, hmm, that's not quite the same. It's three days also, but in three days you're going to lose your head. Well, here's what Joseph said to the chief butler. Both way, by the way, it both came to pass, just like, the, like he said. But when the chief butler was leaving, Joseph said, remember me, please. Please remember me. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm falsely accused. I shouldn't be here. Please remember me. Two years later, he's still not remembered. Now here's where the long journey of faith was nearing its end. Next comes exaltation. Pharaoh has a dream. It's a weird dream. 
dreamed of seven cows, big, sleek, and fat, walking around, and all at once here comes these ugly, gaunt, skinny, ugly things, runs out and eats up the seven sleek, good-looking cows. That wasn't all. Had another dream. This time, it was seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on one stalk. And then seven heads of grain, blighted by the east wind, sprang up and devoured the seven full good stalks. Now, he is really having a time now. This dream, it's troubling him. He calls his soothsayers. He calls his magicians. He calls everybody. Nobody can give him a clue what it means. And then the butler, butler remembered two years ago. Ah, what's the matter with me? I forgot all about him. Master, I know somebody. He, 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 he told me about my dream. I, I, I think he can take, tell you about yours. Well, go get it. And they sent for Joseph. And Joseph listens to the dreams of Pharaoh. His response in interpreting the dreams, he says, this dream means there's going to be seven years of plenty. But following those seven years of plenty, there's going to be seven years of famine. When uh, Pharaoh hears this, looks around, and he asks Joseph what needs to be done. He said, you need to choose somebody, put them in charge of this and this and this and that, and prepare for it. And his, uh, his idea was, I don't know if anybody can do it better than you, I'm going to make you in charge. In fact, I'm going to make you second ruler all under me. The only one over you is me. Now, folks, that is a long way from a pit. When all at once you have your own palace. You have people that jumps when you say jump. Whatever you want, you have. If it's there, you can have it. And for seven years, all of this beautiful things happened that he said would happen. And then it happened. After that, it became a terrible place and people were dying all around them. And it was then that Joseph's father sent his brothers to Egypt to get grain. And that's where that bowing down, I told you at the beginning, they come and they bow before him. It was then that it was Joseph realized and God revealed this to him. Do you realize it was 13 years that all this went through? Three of it, possibly three years, was in prison. All of this from the time of the pit to the palace. But when it was all over, Job, Joseph even said to his brothers, you meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. And Joseph retained his relationship with God. He held fast to his faith. He continued to, to trust God. And at the end result, he saved his family and he saved the Jewish nation. We don't know what God is doing when he speaks to our hearts. We don't always understand the road that we're taking. I can tell you there's been several times it's happened in my life. I did not understand it. I have one of the most precious women in the world. One of the most beautiful women in the world. She was a godly woman when I met her, just a girl, in fact. She's never been involved in the world. Everything about her has been good. She's been a church girl all of her life. A number of years ago, she had a stroke. And then three or four years ago, she had two more in, in, in a matter of two weeks or a week. And now on November the 10th, she wakes me up early in the morning, having pains, to make a long story short, she has blockage. They get a heart cath. She has five blockages. And they ended up opening her heart up and had to give her five bypasses. Now, I know her. I know what kind of person she is. But I'm telling you, I question why would it happen to her? Why didn't it happen to me? Did I deserve it? But why her? 
I have no answer for that, and I'm not going to know it until I get to heaven. I think God will explain it to me. He's not going to tell us everything. I've heard people say, well, once you get to heaven, you'll know, about every, you'll know everything. No, you won't. But the Bible says, God says to you and me, my ways are higher than your ways. My ways are beyond finding out. You just, I, you'll never know it. But there are some things he's going to let us know. But I just came by to tell you tonight that if you will allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you and you will hold on to God and say, I'm going to trust God, your faith will enable God to use you in a very special way. With every head bowed and the saints helping me pray right now, I came by to talk to everybody. I came by to talk to the saint and the sinner. I talk to you primarily to the saint, as a saint of God because I know you are going to face tomorrows. If it's not tomorrow, it could be the next day. Sooner or later, you're going to face some things that you have some questions over. That's when you hold on. That's when faith is really proven. Remember, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But if you'll hold fast to that which you have and trust and believe God, the end result is going to be glorious. I want you to make up your mind. No matter what's been happening, no matter how you may have been wavering, I want you to make up your mind right now. God, I want you to touch me afresh. I want that faith, I want that faith to grow. I want that faith to once again be so intact in me that I don't question you. That I will do what you have want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. As a child of God, if we're not thinking that way and we're not wanting that and we're not following that, we're not pleasing God. The Bible makes it very clear to us. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But if we will believe, we will receive. My Father, reach out over this congregation tonight. I pray that you'll touch those that are here that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Help them to understand that they are in desperate need of guidance. They're in desperate need of someone to lead them in the right direction so that one day they can stand before you and hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. A failure to do that will be standing before you at another judgment. And this time you will say, depart from me, worker of iniquity. And into everlasting darkness and hell, they will spend eternity. I pray that you'll help them tonight to say, hey, I want no part of that. I do believe in God. And I believe what the preacher says. And I'm tired of Satan manipulating my life and making me act like a fool and doing the things that I know I shouldn't do. And I know if I went out into eternity tonight, I would be lost and undone without God. And I'm tired of gambling with my soul. If you're here tonight and you'll just say, Brother Penley, I'm not where I should be with God, but I felt the Holy Spirit convict my heart, and I'm ready right now to say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I want you to quickly slip up your hand in this audience. If you're here and say, Brother Penley, I'm going to ask Jesus in my heart tonight. I didn't come planning that, but I feel him touching me now, and I'm going to say yes to him. Anyone? I'm going to pray for you and believe God. God bless your heart. Amen. Someone else. Brother Penley, I want God to touch me tonight. I'm not going to allow myself to be fooled any longer by Satan. I'm not going to gamble any longer with my eternal soul. I'm ready for Jesus to come into my heart tonight. 
You join the other person. Lift up your hand and say, Brother Penley, I'm asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart right now. Just simply hold it up quickly. I'm going to pray for you and believe God to minister to your heart. Saints of God, how many times have you come to a service like this and felt the Lord prick your heart and you know that things are just not where you want it to be with God? We call it being restored. If you're here tonight, you'll just say, Brother Penley, I've listened to you and I know that at one time I had a closer walk with God. I haven't backslid. I haven't gone back on God and left him. I never had any intention of that, but I know and realize and recognize that I am not where I need to be with the Lord and I want him to restore that joy and restore me to that right place in him. If you're feeling that tonight, just slip your hand up. I want to be praying for you too. God bless you. Amen. Someone else. Brother Penley, I'm asking God to touch me now. I just know I'm not where I want to be. God bless you. Amen. But I want back. I want to get back there to where I was with God. I want that joy to bubble over in my soul again and know without a doubt that God is pleased with me. Come on. Be honest with the Lord tonight. Just slip your hand up quickly. Let me see it. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? I'm just wanting to pray with you and believe God with you. Saints of God, look at me now. The people that lifted up their hand, they were just being honest with God and honest with themselves. They did it for a purpose because they love God. And they don't want anything to get between them and the Lord. And I'm praying tonight that God will touch them afresh, that they can reach out and grab again and take hold of those promises and believe God that he is going to lead and direct them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The person lifted up their hand and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. My prayer is that God is going to touch and bless and guide their lives and help them to enjoy the knowledge of knowing that they have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and on their way to glory. Came here without God but leaving with Him. And now I'm saying to you, I've asked you to stand all over this building. I'm just asking you Right where you are, I know there's different ways of doing this. I'm going to just ask you right where you are to just ask God to search your heart and see if there's an area that you need to address. And just simply say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to get back to the place that I once felt and I'm ready to do it now. I'm ready to make that commitment to you. I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. I want to one day hear you say, well done. I want to one day know that I have pleased you and I have accomplished something great in the kingdom for the kingdom of God. Would you just lift your hand toward heaven right now and say, Lord, I'm asking you to touch me afresh. Help me, oh God, to grab hold of your blessings and your truths and say to Satan, no, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to be faithful to him, and one day I'm going to live with him forever. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for the those that have opened their hearts to you. Thank you for your word that is true. And I pray tonight that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart will be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Hallelujah. Would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you praise him for his works to the children of men. Amen. What a wonderful challenge to go with this week, to go in faith. There's a lot of messages out there, a lot that the enemy would try to, to fight us with and convince us of. 
But I'm telling you, God is the truth. We can have faith and confidence in Him. God is so wonderful and amazing. Amen? Amen. Let's give it up for Brother Penley for bringing the word tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Penley, for blessing us. What a wonderful time. The altars are open. If you need any kind of prayer, you need to find a place or a moment to pray about your life. You're more than happy, more than welcome to do that. If you need a, uh, one of us pastors to pray with you, we'd be more, more than happy to do that. But we want to let you go, let you be the church outside of these four walls. Go in faith, go in confidence in God, and be the church in your world. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, once again, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you've laid out evidence. You've laid out beautiful moves and work, Lord, through your scripture and, and through our lives. God, you've given us, Lord, a path and a plan, Lord, that's always ended in the beautiful and the wonderful and the perfect. And God, we walk in faith from this place in confidence, not in ourselves or not in situations, but confidence in you. And God, we dedicate our hearts and our lives. And God, we're going to follow you in faith. Lord, wherever it takes us, God, we know there is a beautiful, wonderful conclusion at the end of it. God, we thank you and praise you once again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful evening. We will see you this week.